Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Deeper Still, a podcast where we carve out space for meaningful conversation about God and life as we seek to pay attention to the ways He calls us to go deeper still in relationship with Him and with one another. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I have the joy of being the host of this podcast, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Hey, just as a quick reminder before we get started today. If you haven't yet taken a moment to follow Deeper Still on your favorite podcast platform, or better yet, subscribe to it so you automatically get notified when a new episode drops, will you take a moment to do that before you sign off today? I'd be so grateful for that. If you want to go one step further, take the extra minute to write a review so more people can find Deeper Still and we can spread the love in this community because you guys are amazing and we just want more people to join us. Lastly, I've heard from so many of you over the last couple of months about how much you're enjoying these conversations, how they're impacting your own journey. And so first of all, I just want to say thank you. I can't tell you how much that encourages me, how much that makes me want to keep going to do what I do because I love what I do. And so to know that you enjoy it as well is just such a gift. So I want to encourage you, if you're finding something meaningful in these conversations, do continue to let me know. I always love to hear from you. You can always email me at scamfield at christchurch.us or drop me a note on Instagram at Sue Camfield. Well, I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today. I am pinching myself because I got to spend an uninterrupted hour with a Chicago icon, the longest running female meteorologist in the city, an absolutely beautiful soul, my friend, ABC7's Tracy Butler. Tracy Butler joined ABC7 News in 1994 and has been the meteorologist for ABC7 News This Morning since 1995. She also serves as the meteorologist for the station's 11 a.m. newscast and provides weather updates for ESPN Radio, which is amazing because Tracy is an avid sports fan. Besides the morning news, you may be familiar with Tracy from her coverage of the Chicago Air and Water Show, the Chicago Auto Show, the All-Star Shootout Golf Show, uh, her appearances on Good Morning America, or maybe one of a number of local charities in which she serves as an advocate for, including Ian's Place for Bereaved Parents and Reclaim 13, who is devoted to end human trafficking, both of whose founders I've interviewed on this show. In today's episode, in addition to talking about Tracy's journey through broadcasting, including the call she received in seventh grade that changed her life, you're going to hear about the importance of Tracy's faith, how it impacts her work, what might surprise you about her work, and how the community of people she has surrounded herself with have become a lifeline to Jesus, especially when she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018. Friends, there is so much wisdom in this conversation, so much joy, so much good ground to cover. So whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself, saddle up, settle in, and listen in as Tracy and I go deeper still. Well, Tracy, welcome to Deeper Still. What an honor and privilege it is to have you here today. Oh my gosh. I mean, the privilege is all mine. Uh, You asked me, and I am... I mean, more than anything, I'm just grateful to be in your space and share some time with you, which I wish we had more of. Oh, that is right. I know. I, when I saw you this morning, I thought, oh, gosh, it's been too long since I have seen you. You are just um, such a joyful presence to be around. And when I asked you, it's one of those asks that I thought, okay, I need to be, this is a sacred ask. Uh, I know how valuable your time is. I know how valuable your influence is. And I thought, okay, when I ask, I want this to be a good reason to ask. And then you responded immediately with with a yes. And I about just jumped out of my living room couch uh, through the window because I was so excited. Well, I think I was just excited to hear from you. <laughs> Plain and simple, honest to goodness. We have we have many things in our 
history on earth that are in common. So I'm grateful to spend the time with you. Oh, well, I am grateful also. I had a moment where, um, you know, I first met you through a mutual friend of ours. And so you have always just been Tracy to me in the beginning of time. And then as I learned more and more about your world and what you do, and just over time have seen your influence in our community in this city uh, and out, you know, it, it extends further than that. And I did have a moment of panic to say, okay, you said yes. Now, oh my gosh, I'm interviewing someone who like interviews people for a living, who's been on Good Morning America for crying out loud. What was I thinking? <laughs> but you're so easy. So this is why this is so great. Well, thank you. That's a, believe me, it's a high compliment coming from you and I appreciate it. Oh, well, Tracy, you mentioned that we have some things in common. Uh, there are some things that knit our hearts together. And one of the things that knits our heart together is we are both Pittsburgh girls. <laughs> We're both beaming right now because we love Pittsburgh. We love the city. It has formed and shaped us that time in our lives that we spent there. Our families, uh, you know, both still live in that area. And I also am mindful that Pittsburgh is where you got your start in your career. And so I'm wondering if you would just start us off there. Uh, You are now the longest female um, meteorologist in Chicago history, um, 27 years and counting, but your start was in Pittsburgh in this place that we both love. And I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't start um, on air, on TV in Pittsburgh. I was kind of behind the scenes. um, but yes, uh, and it's funny because our friends who know us always say that the two of us kind of <laughs> fall into Pittsburghese language <laughs> sometimes. You're the only one that understands. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love that about you. And they know we're black and gold and Steelers right. all the way. But um, yeah, so when I was growing up, and I don't know if this is a name um, that means anything to you, but there was a, a man named Jack Bogut, and he was on KDK Radio. Okay, you're grabbing your heart. I am. I'm like, just like, yes. oh my goodness. And you say KDK and my heart just swells. So since seventh grade, I knew I wanted to work at KDKA. I didn't know what capacity. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I had a goal because I loved Jack Bogut was the morning drive guy in Pittsburgh for decades and just beloved by so many people. And I wrote him a fan letter. And I just said, Mr. Bogut, you know, I wake up when I'm getting ready for school and I listen to you all the time and blah, 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 blah. Well, I get a call to the principal's office in school. And let me tell you, I was beside myself nervous because I just was one of those firstborn rule followers who doesn't get called to the principal's (laughs) office. Right, right. It was Mr. Bogut's secretary asking... Um, if I could get my parents' permission for him to call me at home and talk to me about the letter I wrote him. Wow. And I will never forget that. And that is something that has lasted with me through my career as well, because he influenced me so much by just that tiny little conversation with a middle schooler and from then, I knew somehow I was going to work in broadcasting. Mm. So I did my, I went to Indiana University of Pennsylvania, home of Jimmy Stewart, by the way, for people who don't know, Indiana, Pennsylvania. That's right. Um, and I did my internship at KDK Radio. Uh, I, I had an advisor who said, why would you want to go there? You know, it's a big market. You're not going to get a job out of it. And I said, um, well, let's, let's find out guess what? I got a job out of it. And I worked in advertising and promotion. I subsequently got a job with KDK TV in their public relations department. So, um, but while I was at KDK TV, uh, one of my jobs was to go with um, the talent, as they call on-air people, go to speaking engagements, school visits, all that kind. And I loved going with the meteorologists. Loved going with the meteorologist. Brian Sussman was a meteorologist who kind of took me under his wing at the time. And he just really taught me so much about meteorology to the point where I ended up going back to school and getting my meteorological certification. Um, 
But at the time, I was in the weather office with him, and there was a newspaper ad for a weekend weather person in Wheeling, West Virginia, where you get the Wheeling feeling. <laughs> Still remember that. Um, but um, I said to Brian, he's like, you got to apply for this. I said, but I... I, I, uh, huh? <laughs> and at the time, I'd been doing like industrial films. I'd been doing some commercial work. I applied for the job and I got it. And kind of the rest is history. Mm. So, yeah. So here I am, you know, how many years later? And I'm actually in January of 2024. I will have been here 30 years That's in Chicago. Would you ever dream that when you came here to Chicago to take this job that you'd still be here 30 years later? No. You know, like I grew up in a time, Suyan, when, you know, my parents worked for Westinghouse Broadcast, or not Westinghouse Broadcasting, but Westinghouse Electric. And, um, you know, their jobs, they stayed in the same city for basically their whole careers. In TV, it's so much different. People were it's people were moving around, you know, you're you're a nomad. I mean, I was in Wheeling, I was in Youngstown, Ohio, I was in Richmond, Virginia, which is kind of an interesting story in itself in how I actually got to Chicago. And you know, my dad always had a saying that you never know unless you ask. So when I was in Richmond, Virginia, Spencer Christian, who was uh, the weather guy on Good Morning America at the time, came to Richmond. That was his hometown. And we had a great live shot and everything. And I said, you never have a woman substitute for you. Chuckle, chuckle. Well, um, lo and behold, later that summer, I got a call from Good Morning America asking me to fill in for him. So had I never asked the question... Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you think, oh, it's a stupid question. I think the saying is true. No question is mm. stupid. Mm. Always ask, because the worst someone can say is no. That's right. Always ask. So, H Have you carried that through your career? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Between my husband and my children, they're like, why do you ask so many questions? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, absolutely, because you don't know. You don't know the answer that's on the other side of the wall unless you ask. So I certainly have. Um, and when I came to Chicago, you know, it, another funny story. When I was on Good Morning America, Jerry Taft, famous meteorologist here in Chicago for decades, apparently, as the story goes, he saw me on GMA and said, we need to hire that gal. And here I am. Wow. Um, and we used to joke, Jerry said I owed him 10% of my paycheck, which never <laughs> happened. But, you know, here I am. And I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that the viewers here have accepted me for as long as they have, faults and all. Mm. Um, I'm just, I've just been really blessed in this career. And WLS is such a diamond in the rough kind of station. It's so well known around this country. And I'm really fortunate that I got to come here. Mm. You know, you said something that I think is really interesting, especially, maybe I shouldn't say especially, but I think especially sometimes for females, when we are putting ourselves out there, when we are, you know, there's a certain level of confidence you have to do to do some of the things you've done. And then there's also a, a level of vulnerability that comes with that. You, every day, that you are on the air, I'm sure there is a level of vulnerability because you're putting yourself out there in front of, I mean, thousands and thousands of people. How have you continued to find the confidence to do what you do from those early days on? Because I'm sure there was learning, right? You're in, a, you're in a job that you can only learn by doing. And when you learn by doing in a job like yours, people see your mistakes and they see your improvement. I, I feel that in some of what we do here in the church on a much smaller scale. How many people tell me when they see me up front somewhere and they say, wow, you've gotten so much better. And I'm like, oh, that's a horrible thing to have. Right, it's like, say, wow, I was that bad before? <laughs> I was that bad. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you've had those moments and what is, how do you keep just having the courage and the confidence to just go out there and, and just kill it every day? Well, I don't know about that. You know, what I will tell you is social media has made it harder and it's made it, um, it people have more access to you. 
So, you know, and my friends will laugh because I would show them some of the letters I would get from people saying, your hair looks like a mop. Why don't your friends tell you how bad you look? Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, gosh, you would not believe some of the things like that. But that's one of those things that I think we all have to remind ourselves that, you know, there may be some individuals who are saying negative things about you. And I think it's just human nature. We tend to listen to the negative and not focus so much on the positive. I've tried really, really, really hard to focus on those letters I get from people or the posts on social media that say, oh my gosh, you know, I loved your dress today. Or thank you so much for telling me it was going to rain because I had to take my kids to the bus stop and I knew to take an umbrella, you know, things like that. But it's taken me a good while to not focus on the negative. I will tell you, when I worked in Youngstown, Ohio, there was a man who followed me around a grocery store and finally got up to the cash register, and I was kind of nervous, and he said, why do you keep making it rain? Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, um, and I tried to make a joke about it, and he was totally serious. And so I thought to myself, my gosh, I feel like crawling under a rock. I keep making it rain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not making it rain, but I, I keep giving this man bad news in his world. And, you know, I had to, I, I really have tried very hard to focus much more on the positives, maybe learn from some of the negative comments, um, not necessarily take them to heart to the point where I want to climb under a rock. Because believe me, I had those days. I had those days. And I think, you know, they say with age comes wisdom, you know, maybe that's a part of it. And it's not that I don't care what these people have to say. I certainly do care a great deal. But you got to compartmentalize sometimes, and especially with social media. Mm-hmm. You really have to. And, and, and I preach that to my children. You know, it's so hard for our kids right now because they're so exposed to these things, so exposed to so much noise we got to turn off some of that noise and focus on some of the positives that God has placed in our lives. And we have to have more recognition of those positives. And I've worked really hard to try and do that. That's, there's so much wisdom in that. And I think that's such a valuable message for people to hear because we all face things in our lives where we're going to feel that we're going to feel the criticism where we get sucked into the noise, yep. you know, whether, whether we are in a place where, people have access to us to give us that criticism or it's something on social media or just how people respond to us. And I think, you know, something you just said is, is it, we have to continually come back to knowing who we are as, um, beautiful sons and daughters of the most high God, you know, there is, you have to know your identity there and you have to surround yourself with people who point you to the truth and point you to the right and the positive things. Yeah. Um, and then you have to find ways to let the rest go. That's, that's hard, but that also is what I think probably separates the people who can continue for the long journey as you have to be successful in those places and not, as you said, just you know, want to pull the covers over your head and hide under a rock some days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad you have stuck around and, and keep at it. Um, Tracy, what are some of the things that might surprise someone listening about what you do every day? Uh, I get up at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> Which is why when Sue Ann and I get together with our friends, it's often in the afternoon. That's right. We know. We know what time Tracy can be there and what time she can't. I'm always the first one to leave. Um, You know, I'm in bed truly like by 530, uh, try to get to sleep between 6 and 630 because, you know, my thought is if I'm just a, a... you know, a mush ball of, you know, words doesn't make sense to anybody. It doesn't help anybody. And my job is to help people prepare. And I take that very, very seriously. So I'm, I'm a real stickler to my schedule um, because it's my responsibility and to be that way. So I think when I tell people that, you know, I'll, I'll ask kids, you know, what are you doing at 1.30 in the morning? And, you know, usually... Well, I'm sleeping. What, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting ready to get to work. So um, I, that probably surprises a lot of people. I think it surprises a lot of people that I am the longest running female meteorologist in Chicago. I never in a million years thought that that would be a thing. 
Um, I'm really blessed to be able to say that. Um, you know, those I think those are probably some of the most surprising things that when I think about, when you ask me that question, I'm like, hmm, what would surprise people? And I think really the time is what surprises people more than anything. Yeah, and I'm sure you get asked about that a lot because it is so different. Yeah. And you do have to, then you start thinking about, well, you know, what does that mean for family life and for dinner time and for your kids as they grow up and, and all of those things. And I, I assume your family has just learned also to how to adjust around that schedule oh, with you. My family, first of all, my husband, you know, he is just... He he's amazing, and he has put up with these, this schedule for so long. But he's actually an early bird himself. Um, it's funny because for a very long time, my children, when they were little, thought everybody went to bed at 6. Of course. <laughs> and then they realized their friends were not going to bed at 6 p.m., and they're like, what? Um, yeah, and then they started tucking me in at night, you know. Um, my my family has uh, it's it's all my children have grown up with it's all they knew you know um, but I'm really really lucky that I have a family who has been so willing to adjust mm. to this because it's not easy and it's not a schedule for everybody that's right and it it probably takes it takes all of you working together yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. But that is wild. Or do some days you just think, wow, someday I'm going to retire and I am not going to have to get up at 1.30 in the morning <laughs> yeah, anymore. You're not going to know what to do. I won't. <laughs> and my husband will say, why don't you go back to work? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, well, Tracy, you are a deep woman of faith. And maybe some people listening may be surprised to hear that. People who know you are not surprised to hear that at all because your faith drives so much of who you are and how you live your life. And I I'm wondering, first of all, where did that journey begin for you? Ooh, well, um, let's see. My, I mean, real my mother is such an exemplary individual. Um, her faith is, wow, well, I, I, I get emotional kind of talking about it too. You know, my mom was diagnosed with MS back in 20, uh, 2000. And if anybody can fight a disease with their faith and mental attitude, and positive reaction, it's my mother. Her faith is so deep. Um, and we've talked about that many, many times. Um, so I would have to say that, you know, my faith really began at home. And it began with my mother. Um, never missed church. And she still doesn't ever miss church. In fact, I'll tell uh, she went to church and I said, Mother, they're canceling church in Pittsburgh for the blizzard. <laughs> She's like, nope, got to go. She gets there and the doors say, you know, no mass today because of the blizzard. I'm like, what are you doing? You know? Um, wow. What yeah. a picture of faithfulness. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She is very devout. And I've learned so much about, and I, I wish I could hold a candle to her as far as being a positive person. Because she is. Mm. she's That's her nature. I don't know her any other way. Um, she has been probably the best example of faith and how to conduct a faith journey. You know, when I moved to Chicago, I um, didn't know anybody. And um, I have been so incredibly deeply blessed with a circle of friends that you know that introduced us. Mm -hmm. um, and they have helped me to really continue that journey here. And, you know, it's not easy to move to a new city. You've done it too. Mm -hmm. And kind of find that group of like-minded individuals. And I really feel like God has placed these women in my life for reason. It's really, it's, I'm, as you know, I'm very, very close to my family. And it's really, that's been my biggest sacrifice in my life is moving away from my family in Pittsburgh. But um, the, the friends that I have here are, are my family here. Mm. 
and um, they have increased the depth of my relationship with God, I feel. And there's been such a, um, I think it's been um, an incredible journey for me, um, you know, participating in Bible studies and those sorts of things. I didn't really grow up with that. You know, yeah, I went to CCD for 12 years. You know, I, I went to church every weekend and everything. But I feel like it's only been within the past maybe decade mm. that I've been able to even have a deeper relationship with the Lord. And, and I also credit my brother David um, with some of that. He is very involved in his church back in Pittsburgh. And he and I have had some really deep conversations, which I never in a million years would have pictured growing up with him because we used to fight, me and him, my our brother Mark, we used to fight all the time, you know? Um, but my relationship with him has been extraordinary to learn and see him in a different light like this. I've been really lucky with my two brothers and just the relationships that I still have with them. But David has just introduced me to other paths to get to know God even more. Mm. Well, and it's so interesting, just the value of community, the value of relationship, the value of friendships that um, spur us you know, when the scriptures say to spur one another on towards good deeds, but also to spur one another on as we go deeper into our relationship with the Lord, you really can't do that um, without community, without relationships that are willing to push you in that direction. And when you find those, it's like you don't want to let them go. Oh, my gosh. The first time I went to a Bible study, um, I was like, do I belong here? Because I don't know the Bible very well. Sure, I know the basic stories. Um, you know, I I know a few verses. But the more that I've consistently tried to be a part of that, it's not that, you know, I can recite the Bible from cover to cover or anything, but it's really helped me to have a better understanding of what God intends for us. Mm. And I've just learned so much through that sort of participation. Um, And it's really been exciting. Yeah. In fact, I'm thinking we scheduled this interview around your Bible study because uh, (laughs) the first first date I threw out, you said, oh, I can't have my Bible study. Exactly. we switched it. Yeah. Um, I love that. Well, Tracy, how has your faith then influenced your work? Whew, that's that's a really hard question, um, because you know, in in my business, that's not something that you really talk about freely. Certainly, in front of the camera. But what I will say, it's helped me to get to know other coworkers on a different level. You know, sometimes I I will bring up to certain coworkers, oh, you know, I got Bible study today, and and I'll just say, you know. I got to fly out the door. I got Bible study today. And inevitably, somebody will come to me and say, so what is it you talk about in Bible study? And I remember kind of the first reaction I had was like, oh, we can talk about this at work. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's just not a conversation that flows. And, and people were busy and there's stuff going on all the time. And, you know, there's breaking news and people have jobs to do. But, you know, there are times and I have an incredible family of co-workers that I absolutely adore. And it's interesting because some of them, we've really opened up more communication about the Lord. And I was just talking to my makeup artist this morning about a favorite verse. You know, mm. I mean, it's just, it's opened up a different type of conversation, which I think has been, you know, as so many people say, oh, it's so hard to watch the news. And I get that, and I do. You know, there's so much negativity. And a lot of my coworkers, they're out there on these streets every day covering some of these just horrible stories. And so when we get to talk about something like a favorite Bible verse, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a Bible study, uh, you know, how are you, how do you have a relationship with the Lord? It's like, wow, we can talk about this, and this is really neat. That's amazing. And so that's kind of what 
has been exciting for me to find people at work whom I can have these conversations with. It's been fun. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, it's a good reminder, too, that sometimes, especially for people listening who find themselves in similar situations in their workplace, that sometimes, you know, we don't, you don't have to be preaching to everyone, but you find those little moments where you can be the light that God has called you to be. And sometimes it's just saying that one little thing or it's asking the next question, you know, and the influence that you can have on others and how that permeates relationships in, in a work culture in a way that just like God has just given you this little slice in this way and, and you are using the influence he's given you to influence others around you. And I think that's really just tremendous. You know, it's interesting, um, and you kind of have to know your audience, too, um, but uh, there was a coworker of mine who'd been going through some really difficult times, and she, um, I just said to her, I said, you know what, could we pray together? Mm. And she was like, oh, I've, I've never had someone do that with me before. And so, again, I'm not out there reciting Bible verses, you know, pretty basic sort of thing. And after that, she said, Tracy, I just, I, I've, I've never done anything like that before. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. You know, if, if that's some little area of positivity that we can extend to somebody by just saying, you know, help this person, you know, help them see a little bit of light in their day, you know, just look upon them, you know, I don't, she doesn't have particularly a strong sense of faith. I know she's, you know, not in that sort of direction, but she really appreciated it. She really appreciated it. And again, you have to know your audience. You have to know if someone's going to be receptive, certainly. Um, but ever since then, she will come to me and say, will you pray with me? Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And it's a good reminder that you just don't know what people are going through. Like you said, you know, you don't often think of our news anchors facing things and being in the places of just these horrible stories that weigh on them. And there's so many people walking around that have so much that's weighing on them. And if you can just be that person that brings that light, you know, and that's such a great reminder as you share that story, I think, for all of us. Yeah, because like you said, you don't know what other people are going through. And yeah, just a little a little uh, public service announcement for my <laughs> colleagues out there covering some of these stories. Believe me, it's really hard for them. And it's really, it gets draining. It gets really draining. And so... You know, unbeknownst to probably many of them, I do pray for them being out there on the streets covering some of these things. So be kind to your news reporters. There you go. (laughs) Public service announcement. I love it. Well, Tracy, I think one of the other ways this plays out um, that I see anyway, and again, I'm sure you don't you don't do this for um, you don't use your faith as a public reason you do this. But you support so many great causes. You are a voice and an advocate for so many good things that are doing good work. I know Reclaim 13 is is one of those nonprofits that you have been a champion for. I bring that one up specifically because they're also a partner with our church, and we love them. Cassandra has been here. Uh, Cassandra Ma is the head of that ministry. She's been here on Deeper Still. We've talked about human trafficking. And I'm just wondering for you, how has your heart um, been moved by that? that ministry, and how have you chosen to invest yourself in places like that? You know what? I just, I know her story, Cassandra Ma's story. Um, To take experiences that she's witnessed in her life and do what she has done is an extraordinary leap. And um, I just applaud what Reclaim 13 has been able to do to help individuals who have gone through such a horror. Um, you know, you ask me about, I, I, I latch on to things like that because I do have such a deep belief in their mission. And there are so many opportunities for us to be able to help. Um, and I'd like to believe that I've been giving of my time to various things. Um, you know, whatever, there there are other things I, you know, try to do that aren't so visible, 
as well, because I think it's really important for us to, even though you don't get, you know, the attention for it, um, I think it's, I think that's part of maybe being humble and maybe, maybe by me saying, you know, being humble isn't really humble. Um, (laughs) But I think it's really important for us to conduct works that don't get attention. Um, Things behind the scenes, if you will. And, you know, you may not be, you know, getting news coverage for it, but that's okay. It's still really important to somebody out there that you spent a little bit of time. So, you know, I don't want people out there to think that, well, you know what, it's not going to really matter because, you know, I can't do these big things. You don't have to do big things to help people. Mm. You really, really don't. I mean, you can, you know, I've, I've done so much work with the Greater Chicago Food Depository and the Northern Illinois Food Bank. And people have said, well, you know, I can't, I can't donate money. I can't, you know, I don't have $500. Honestly, you donate a dollar and it goes a long way. They know how to make that money work. There are a lot of small ways that we can help that add up to big ways. You know, I'm I know there are a lot of different opinions about climate change and climate variability. And one of the things I've become passionate about is simply just trying to help our earth, you know, trying to help this place that God has bestowed upon us that, that we're allowed to live on for, you know, how many years. And I think we owe it out of respect to do what we can to preserve its life. And so what I've started to do at ABC7 is just a continuing series of small things to help our earth, because it is an overwhelmingly large subject. You know, you think, oh, what am I going to do to help the climate? You know, I can't. There are little things. And I think if we all do something little, it all adds up to something big. Mm. And I look at that way with charitable causes, too. If we all do something little, inevitably, it ends up to something big. Yeah. Well, and you've been such a testimony to that as I have seen you invest in places big and small and the difference that you have been able to make and and the difference that you are influenced because you have influence also to bring other people along and to point them to some of these things that they might not otherwise be thinking about or knowing about. And I think that is, that is a gift of yours. And I imagine it's, it's not just something that comes with the job. It's something that what I've learned about you, one of the things I've learned about you is you have a kind and compassionate heart. It's just who you are. You have this enormous capacity to care for people. And so you've chosen intentionally to do some of these things that just is part of who you are. It's probably part of the responsibility you feel of the influence you have been given and this belief that you have that God has given us all these things. And if we partner together, we actually can make a difference. And that's just a beautiful thing to sit back and watch in you. You know what? It's so funny. I can't, I I don't think I can ever come here again without remembering when I was here for Ash Wednesday. Mm. This was a few years ago, and there was a sweet, sweet lady in the parking lot who I met, and she was looking for a grief group. And um, so I kind of helped to steer her in the right way. And we still talk. And she is the sweetest, dearest gal, and she writes me letters all the time, and I write her back. She's my pen pal, Audrey, and oh. I just adore her. Mm. And, you know, she's some somebody may say, oh, my gosh, you just made that woman's day. Well, you know what? I get a letter from her, and it makes my day. It really, really does. And I just, again, I just find such value in that. I think that the letter writing thing comes from my grandmother. She used to write me all the time. I used to get letters from her in the mail like every week. And so I I love being a pen pal for mm-hmm. someone, you know. But here again, if you find somebody who's who may seem lost, whether it's in their life or in the parking lot and they're looking for something, yes. you know, if you can take you know, three minutes just to help that individual in whatever capacity you have. Again, it's one of those small things that can add up to a reward 
for yourself. Yes. I mean, and I'm not trying to sound selfish in this, but I am telling you, I get a letter from that sweet Audrey, and it just makes me so happy. Well, I remember that day very well. Yes. I remember meeting Audrey as well. And the thing I love about that story, and I've seen you do this in so many ways, but you didn't have to follow. You could, you could have just helped her that day and never seen her again. You followed up with her. You wanted to make sure she was okay. You, you do that with lots of people. And I, I'm thinking back to the story you opened up with about KDK, about hearing, hearing, you know, re- having, um, and now I'm, um, Jack Bogut. Thank you, Jack. I was going to say, Jim, Jack Bogut, reach out to you to see you, to hear you, to know you and take the and next step to, um, write that letter to you to call you. And it's funny, Tracy, because I have seen you in a variety of settings, both publicly and private. And every time we're out somewhere publicly, it never fails. You get recognized every single time people come to the table. We're usually at a restaurant, it seems like. <laughs> we're always we're, eating. We're always eating. Someone comes over, someone recognizes you. The way you handle that situation each and every time, you are kind, you are gracious, you make them feel like this is the first person that's ever stopped you and recognized you and wanted to say hello or take a picture with you. I watch you do that over and over and over again. And then there's stories like um, the one you told about Audrey. And there's another story I remember when we were at a birthday party and one of our friends had gotten pulled over by a police officer that day. And the police (laughs) officer, do you remember this? The police officer had let her off. And you were like, give me his phone number. And you called. I don't think he picked up. I think you left a voicemail (laughs) saying, thank you for letting my friend off. And I've just, I've watched you do this. And I just keep going back to that story at the beginning and the way that marked you and influenced you and how you said you've carried that throughout your career. And, and it's who you are and it's, it's what you do. You see people and you make them know that they're worth being seen. Because Jack Bogut saw me. Yes. And, you know, I was, like I said, I was just a middle schooler. And that time he took to make a simple phone call just cemented that memory in me. And so, you know, for people to make the effort to watch me, to trust me with the information that I dispense to them is a huge responsibility. And I've used that word before, but I take it very seriously. And I am so grateful. I wouldn't be here 30 years if it wasn't for the viewers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I see them and when they take the time to say hello or say, you know, I watch you or I was a weather sketcher or, you know, whatever it may be, um, it's it's really special. Mm -hmm. It's really, really special, and I am so grateful uh, because that's validation that you know you're for the most part that you're you're doing okay and that you're reaching people. And I want to make sure that they know that they can trust me. And believe me, I know weather is not an exact science. I admit I am not right all the time. <laughs> I'll get that out of the way right away, but. I do my very best to do my homework and get you the best information and really the best knowledge and experience that I have to share with everybody. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons you're loved and one of the reasons you have been around and been as successful as you have been because you care so much about what you do. And I I just love that about you. Well, Tracy, I want to switch gears just a little bit um, because in December of 2018, you have been public about this. You were diagnosed with breast cancer. And I know that journey has marked you. And I know uh, your faith and your friends through that journey have marked you. And because of that, you you have become an advocate. You know, it's October, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and um, you've become an advocate for other women's, women taking care of themselves. So I just threw like four things in there all at once. But first, <laughs> tell, us, um, tell us a little bit, as comfortable as you feel sharing, about um, just receiving that diagnosis and what that journey has been for you. Um, I'm not going to lie. It had been three years since I had had a mammogram prior to that. And I had gone for my regular doctor checkup and the doctor said, 
come on. You're smart. What are you doing? Go, you got to get this. You got to get this done. And I had every excuse in the book. Oh, I got my kids. I got work. I got some, I'm, I'm donating time to this and that and the other. And I left that doctor appointment thinking, she's right. All right, I'm going to get myself a Christmas gift. And that Christmas gift is going to be a mammogram. Woohoo! Right? Just what every woman wants. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Um, So, yeah, December 14th at uh, 3 p.m., to be exact, I get a phone call. And I was by myself. Um, My husband had gone to pick up the girls from school. And I got a phone call with that news. And, um, yeah, um, because you don't know, you know, they don't know the stages at that time. They, so your brain is just racing with every single negative, you know, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I mean, I'm going to admit to you, my first thought wasn't, okay, God, take the wheel, you know, this is all yours, I'm in your hands. That was not my first thought. I'm not going to lie. I fell to the floor and bawled my eyes mm. out. And my husband, I called my husband and said, you need to come up here ASAP because I, I heard the garage door and I heard him coming in. And so, you know, I laid there and cried for quite a while. And then um, I went into the closet and closed the door and called my parents and told them. And... Um, yeah, that was a really, that was a really, uh, really tough, tough call to get. It's still weird to even think about it. But, um, so yeah, I think until I knew of a plan and what the plan was ideally going to be, that was the hardest part. And I think that's that plays such a role into our lives. You know, we don't know the plan, What's the plan for us, you know? And you're not comfortable with things until you have a plan. And, um, you know, once I kind of had the plan and knew the direction we were going, um, I think that certainly helped a lot. But, I mean, I will tell this to every person, man or woman, whatever it is, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself I mean, God put us on this earth, and we need to be grateful for that and being grateful for that by showing that we're going to take care of ourselves too. You know, it's really important. And so I just, I tell everybody, don't wait. Don't be stupid like I did. You know, don't come up with, I, I know it's so easy to come up with every excuse to not get yourself checked out. I was there. And what if I had not given myself that Christmas gift mm. and would have kept blowing it off? Like, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, right. Uh, next year, I'll get to it. Sure. That could have spread. That It ended up being, you know, a lower end stage. Thank goodness. I mean, I went from, through treatment. Um, and I will tell you, I was not going to talk about this on TV. I was not at all. And my surgeon is the one who said, if you're comfortable, I would just like to plead with you to talk about this on the air because so many women are like you. They don't take care of themselves. And you have a voice to encourage and be an example of someone who wasn't taking care of herself because I wasn't. And showing what the outcome can be if you do take care of yourself. And let's see, from the time of my surgery, through all my treatment, <laughs> it took many, many months before I was ready to do that. And um, because the other thing I knew is that it was going to be, I had to make sure that it was okay for my children too, because I knew they'd get asked questions about it. Um, And that was a big priority for me. And 
I was very nervous about it. Um, I tried to be very matter of fact. And um, gosh, it's it's so weird for me to even talk about this. But uh, because I was very uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable talking about it on air. But once I kind of put other people's... um, once I realized that, you know, people could maybe benefit from this message, that's where I was able to pull myself out of the equation and put people into it. Mm-hmm. And I heard from people that day saying, I scheduled a mammogram because of you. Mm-hmm. And I heard from many people who told me that. And I thought, wow, I did not think mm-hmm. that that was going to happen. And it did. Yeah, I just went back and watched that, uh, the segment you did on that in preparation for this interview. And it was so well done and so beautiful and so vulnerable and yet so strong of you to do. And I imagine there are women listening right now who are like, oh, you're doing it again, right? As they're listening, they're going, oh, yeah, I have put that off. I have put that off because we all know, we all know how hard it is to make that phone call to get get the appointment. It's actually not hard. It just takes a minute. And it's just a little bit inconvenient, but the importance of it and to, as you said, um, to prioritize ourselves because we don't often do that. And, you know, scripture says to um, love others as you love uh, yourself. Uh, And we can't love others to the full extent until we know how to love ourselves in the way that God loves us. And that's just another way to say, like, it's okay to prioritize yourself sometime, especially when it comes to your health right? and something like this. And you're not being selfish. No. And I think so many, especially women, think that, like, oh, I'm being selfish if I, I make myself an appointment versus, you know, going to this, that, or the other. And you're not being selfish. Yes. Like they say on the airplane, put your mask on first. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they say that. That's right. That's right. So I hope people hear that. I hope they're listening. I hope they're uh, just another reminder. And if it's not, you know, your mammogram, it is your colonoscopy or that yep. other thing, that little thing that's been on your body. They're like, maybe I should get this checked. Sure. You know what? Just do it. Just go take care of yourself uh, for the sake of others also. And um, what yeah. a good reminder and just a, a beautiful encouragement. So thank you for being willing to step outside <laughs> yourself. Uh, I love that you said, you know, so, sometimes when we have that decision to make of, is this something I want to do? Is this something I want to share? And you were able to say, you know what, this is more about other people than it is about myself. And and I think that was just a really courageous decision. And I'm glad. I, I imagine with your influence, there's a lot of situations where you come to, where you have to ask yourself, um, is this a place I should be using my influence in the position and the platform God has given me? You know, what do I do with this responsibility? And so you sound like you you probably ask yourself that a lot and choose wisely in, in how you use the platform God has given you. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I think once I really thought that, you know, okay, this is a place that's going to help people, and like I said, kind of removed myself uh, from the equation, um, that's when I was able to accomplish that. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. We are grateful. And I know there's women out there listening who are grateful that you shared your story oh, also. Well, Tracy, I can't believe that this time has just flown by. What? We, I know. We We're are done? wrapping up. I have, you know what? I have a whole list of questions I didn't get to ask you. I'm going to have to take you out to lunch soon and just ask you all the other interesting things I want to know about you and your life. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple other things that I'd like to mention, if Absolutely. you would not mind. Please do. Um, you know, I, and I just, I wanted to share just a couple other things. And one is, you know, I was, I was cleaning out a bunch of things. And I came upon this book. And I'm going to share something with you because it kind of plays into my relationship with God. And I just want to talk about that a little bit as we wrap up. Because I think one of my biggest challenges is really that full trust. Is that real? And that's what I've tried to work on so hard with my relationship with God. You know, I pray every day, do not be anxious in anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. Like that speaks to my anxiety, my anxious self sometimes. But I think it's really worked. Um, I just wanted to share with you. So I found this little book 
And it's called Daily Help for Daily Need. This was a book that I happened to find several years ago that was packed away. It says Christmas present, year 1930, to Florence. That was my grandmother. And this was from her Sunday school teacher. And every day it has a date and a day, and it has a little, you know, prayer, has a little verse. And I was reading today's, and um, this is from St. James, so it's a um, Bible. So some of the, you know, language is a, a little challenging, but I will not be thou, go except thou bless me. And then it talks a little bit about exactly what that means. And it says, earnest, persistent prayer brings a blessing. Light is shed on many perplexities when we bring them before God. And I just share that because I know that many people have struggles in life. We have perplexities. We have anxious moments. But I think that's where I've tried to deepen my faith in bringing those things to God. That's such a beautiful thing. Thank you for not letting that be passed by and for sharing that because I think that's another thing that just people need to hear today. They need to be reminded today. So often we we want to fix our own stuff. Yep. You know, and you know, we know there's lots of um, lots of us facing a lot of anxiety and a lot of things we carry and to to be reminded you don't have to carry it, right. that, that we can lay it down at the feet of Jesus and that that's been a journey for you. And what a beautiful thing that this book was written, you know, to, from a Sunday school teacher, talk about influence, yeah. a Sunday school teacher to your grandma. Now you are holding it saying, gosh, I have, I have learned, um, I have learned yeah. from this and that faith that's been passed on and, and just that reminder to present your request to God and he will care for you. Yeah. Mm, thanks for sharing that. That's that's so good. Well, Tracy, did you have before I finish with our last question? Do you have anything else you want to share that we didn't get to today? Fire we last, have you. Fire the last question at me. No, I want to talk to you like forever. I know. I know. We need to do a part two of this. Um, well, Tracy, I ask everybody that comes on the show. You know, this show is called Deeper Still, mm-hmm. and those were words that God put on my heart in my own life because I just felt like I was at this moment where. I was getting too comfortable, you know, and God placed these words deeper still on my heart to just ask myself the question, God, how are you calling me to go deeper still? When I get in those comfortable places, God, where are you calling me to go deeper still? And so my question for you today is, Tracy Butler, where <laughs> is God calling you to go deeper still in your life right now? I think um, it goes back to something I just said, and that's God saying, Tracy, I am here. I'm here for you. You know, put your faith in me. Trust. Um, Again, the prayer that I pray every single day. Um, Sometimes, you know, type A personalities, like I guess I would be, you know, we want to control everything. I think I need to go deeper in that trust. Mm. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know if that really answers the question that you asked, but it's funny because I was telling you about my brother David and how we always have these conversations, and and he sent me a verse saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that is, that is so true. So I need to go deeper with that trust. Mm, Don't we all? Because I want to control every situation. I want to control everything that affects my child. I want to save the day. I want to be the hero. And that's not always my place. So, you know, God, I always ask you to just help me to find that deeper part in me to really open up that trust in you. I'm trying. I'm working on it but I need your help to go deeper still. So beautiful. So good. You know, if you're not careful, you're going to get yourself a preaching spot. here. <laughs> <laughs> I could never replace you, my dear. That's for sure. Uh, I think everybody here is good. Uh, well, that is, Tracy, just such a beautiful way to end us. I mean, that call just 
all of us want to control our own lives and that call and that the way that God continues to call you in that place to trust him, to go deeper with him. What a beautiful thing. And so thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thanks for what you do each and every day to influence um, this community, this city, the world around you. You are a light. You are a beautiful soul, and I hope you're on the air for 30 more years to come. Because this, <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> this world needs you, my friends. Thank so thanks you, so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Well, friends, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope for those of you who have been watching Tracy on the news from a distance, maybe for years, feel like you got a little window into who she is and just how fortunate we are to have her representing our city in so many ways. If Tracy is a new friend to you today, I'd encourage you to follow her on Instagram or Twitter at TracyButlerABC7. And just give her some love today. Let her know how much you appreciate her. Encourage her today. Also, if you are one of those people listening who is feeling that nudge to get your mammogram, or maybe that thing you have been meaning to get checked out that you keep putting off, my friends, don't let today pass before you take care of it. Love yourself. Take care of yourself. It could be the thing that makes all the difference in the world. So make sure you do it today. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with another great episode. As we continue in this Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I will be talking to my friend, my colleague, Sherry Adams, about her journey with breast cancer and the unbelievable set of circumstances that we hope will serve as a reminder of God's abundant faithfulness and grace. So be sure to come back. But until then, also be sure to pay attention to how God is calling you to go deeper still. Go on his grace, my friends.